0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Anne Gordon here with my friend and Chavut Yardena Asband, our daf of the day, daf kaf, page 20. At the top of the daf, we have a case that I find to be a little interesting, a little amusing. On our ilfa, ilfa says, we have an animal who's in the public domain, meaning wandering, right? Perhaps with the master, perhaps not. But the point is, that's the location, not a private domain, not the home ground either. And she, she, the animal, right? The word behima is feminine in Hebrew, so the verbs follow that. Um, the animal stretches out its neck, and it eats, and it eats from the back of another animal. Meaning, let's say you have here, I don't know, like a horse walking down the street where there's a mule, a pack mule that has grain sacks on its back and the horse sticks its nose into the into the sacks of the on top of the on top of the on top of the, the packed mule. Chayefet. So the Gemara answers that the owner, meaning the owner in this case of the horse, would be liable to pay the full cost of the damages. My tama. And The Gemara wants to know what's the reason, meaning like is this the kind of thing that we know is likely to happen because it certainly doesn't sound like regular shame, right? There's There's an unusual circumstance where it's eating off of the back of the other animal. That's not like eating from a flower bed or eating from the ground or a field. So the Gemara says, Gabe chavirtak dami. The back of the other animal is it's as if it's like the courtyard of the nizak, of the of the party that was injured, meaning the owner. Let's say you were in the courtyard of the of the owner of the mule, right? And then the let's say the animal the horse is there and just eating. So then that would be the same kind of situation. He's damaging, he's causing damage by eating the resources of the Nizap, of the injured party. And so then that's the same, like it's just regular damage. There's nothing exciting about it, except for, as I say, I find the exact case to be a little amusing. I can imagine, you know, you could draw cartoons of a shook in the Middle East, you know, and and you can picture, you know, one animal nosing the food from the other one from the back of the other one, but in terms of what does it mean to pay damages, it's it's not an exciting case. Meaning the Gemara rejects the idea that it's an exciting case and says, no, no, it's just regular damages. So the Gemara goes on to say, let's see, you know, can we can we back this up further? So now let's say you have a person, not an animal, standing in the public domain, and he's got a basket, and in the basket he's got food. In, you know, in the basket, the basket's on his back. And I feel like this happens every day of the week, right? Like where you have kids with their knapsacks and the, zips, the zippers of the knapsacks are not fully closed or not closed at all. And all kinds of things are hanging out or have the potential to be falling out, right? So now let's say what's in there is actually going to be food as opposed to books and calculators and rulers and who knows what. So the animal comes and sticks its nose in the basket of the person who's got the basket on his back and eats from it, now the owner of that animal is going to be liable. You know, never mind that it was a person's basket and not an animal. It, it doesn't matter. It's still the, the 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 thieving animal, right? The one who's noshing from the from the property is the owner of that animal is is obligated to pay. And this goes back, or the Gemara brings a case of. This is, this is like Rava, Rava specifically in the case of a jumping animal, meaning in the case of a jumping animal, that's like a little bit of an unusual behavior. So maybe we would say that's like Karen. And so maybe here also it would be a jumping animal, meaning reaching into the bag or the basket or the you know pack or whatever of the other animal, perhaps that's considered unusual enough to be considered chatzinezek, where you only have to pay half damages because it's not normal enough. And the Gemara says, The Gemara wants to know where do we see this Rava's statement, you know, about this being unusual, where he, he's brought in the context of a jumping animal, So we have this Breita that is, you know, we're brought in the name, I guess it's, I guess it's a Gemara, brought in the name of Rav where you have an animal that's in the public domain, and it walks and eats. It's eating as it's walking, p'tura. And there he says that owner would be exempt. Amdav achla But if the animal stops and stands still and eats, then the owner of the animal that does the eating would be obligated to pay, right? The the difference there being walking and eating seems to be unusual enough that you could write it off as not expected damages, um, as opposed to if it's standing to eat. You know, it sticks its nose in that knapsack or the basket or the pack animal's back. The <inaudible> Gemara says, one second, but what's the big deal of walking? Like, that is the way that animals eat. Plenty of them walk along and eat as they go. Nobody says, you know, sit down, uh, you know, and use a proper napkin. So the Gemara says, well, standing is also typical behavior, right? Like, so what's the distinction here between the walking and the standing? <inaudible> And this is where we get this Rav's opinion where it says Rav Shaya's case wasn't about walking or standing. It was really about a jumping animal. And that's not typical behavior for, for these kinds of animals, the kinds of animals that we're talking about that would be walking and eating. We can come up with a case, I'm sure, that, you know, of an animal that is accustomed to be jumping regularly. But that's not the case of the Gemara. And so then once we have that example of the distinction between jumping, Right, jumping and not being liable versus standing and being liable. So we can come back to the question of the animal that eat, that you know sticks its nose into the basket or the whatever is that normal behavior or not? And we can understand where there's a view that says this is already you know more unusual and therefore it would only it would not have to pay the complete damages. And the other view that says no, it doesn't matter. It's efficient to be considered enough to you know to pay the full damage. Um, Okay, the Gemara goes on here. It's a long doff and there's actually a lot of different cases, and it moves on to more different topics. Um, but I want to stop here. Uh, to me, this is kind of like the uh, another quintessential case of, you know, on the one hand, we're drawing the, the distinction between normal behavior, expected behavior, and that which is unusual, and the question of, you know, when does the owner pay? And it happens to be that this case, you know, I think is a little bit of a, a little bit entertaining. Um, the Upcoming cases have more additional va- variables, including the location, including you know what's the what's the thing that's being eaten, right? You, the more things you change, I think you're, Daniel, you mentioned this the other day. The more different factors of these cases that you change, the more you know question or machloket that can be that can arise on what should be done because you know how how far removed this. How far, how closely removed, how far removed does something have to be where you say that is the normal case or no, no, now it's too far away. It's no longer the normal case and will make the, the owner of the animal who caused the damage exempt. Um, I don't think that it's easy. Um, so I'm, I'm stopping here with the easy case.
1: Yeah, and I, I think why, why these cases are so interesting is that obviously an animal doesn't have the level of sort of consciousness about are you causing damage or not, right? Like when we talk about humans, you know, we have a responsibility to sort of be careful and not be negligent and to watch, you know, watch where you're going, as people would say, but that isn't the case with animals. And yet the Gamar is willing to say, but there are some behaviors that are more typical than other behaviors with animals. And in a way, it's assigning intention to those behaviors.
0: Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, when I say, oh, this could be a sitcom or a cartoon or whatever, the, the question is, you know, is the more normal behavior the thing that, that kind of gets my funny bone, right? Is Or is it really the idea that an animal could do something that is so outlandish? Well, then why would you be paying Nezik Shalim? Why would you be having, you know, full damages for something that we know is just so highly unusual? And those are the cases, right? That's why the Gemara brings them to talk about them.
1: OK, I'm going to move on to the bottom of Omid Aleph, uh, uh, on to the top of Ahmed Bet. Um, and there's a new question they ask. And I sort of just like the beginning of the exchange here. I'm really to lay Barhama. bar So Rav Chisa says to Rami bar It's basically saying, you weren't with us last night in the Tahum. So remember, the Tahum is that boundary of 2,000 Amot beyond the edge of a town that you can't travel past on Shabbat. And so obviously this was that they were having this discussion on a Friday night, and Rami Bar Bar-Hama was outside of the tahum, so he couldn't come. Um, Ma'alta. And so he says we we discussed some very great, some excellent things. Amar mai mile maalta. So Rami Bar-Hama says, okay, what were the great things that you talked about? Amarle, Hadza so Rav Chisa says to him, the question was asked if one lives in the yard of uh, of his of another person without the other person's knowledge. Now the Mefarshim explain it. What it means by that is, is that the person is unaware. It means you have a squatter there that you're unaware is there. Okay, in or in So the question becomes, does the person who's living there have to pay rent or not have to pay rent? And again. The idea here is is that it, 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 it's not so much about the it, it's more about that the owner, when we say lacks awareness, it's that he didn't say anything to the squatter. So there could be an assumption that the owner actually knows, but just doesn't say anything to like the squat the person who's living on his property. If he asked him to leave and he doesn't leave, of course you would have to pay him right. So the kamari interrupts here and wants to clarify the case a little bit and says, "Hey, Khidami. So are we talking about a yard that isn't for rent? And the squatter is not a person who usually pays rent. So the nobody really benefits and nobody loses anything. In other words, if the squatter doesn't really benefit monetarily, you know, from using the owner's uh, property and the owner didn't lose anything by the squatter being there, Because this one doesn't, the the property wasn't really for rent, and the squatter doesn't usually pay for rent. I don't totally understand what that means, but that's kind of the Gemara, what they're saying. So they think this is what the case needs to be. (inaudible) So it needs to be a case where the yard is for rent, and it's a person who usually rents. (inaudible) So someone benefits, the squatter benefits, and the person who owns the property loses out right? So the Gemara says there's no difficulty, right? This is talking about, it has to be about a yard that is not for rent, and a person who usually rents. That's what the case is. May, okay, so in such a case, right? What What's the halacha? Can the squatter say to the owner, what loss did I cause you, right? I live in your field, you don't usually rent it out, so why do you care that I'm living there? Oh Dima Amar, or maybe the owner can say to him, um, but you benefited, right? You could have rented somewhere else. So Rami Barrachana, so that's the case they decided to discuss. So Rami Barrachana says to Rakhisa, it's this is a Mishnah, right? We we have this the answer to this in, in, in a Mishnah. Hey right? So which Mishnah is a Rahisa ask him? Amrlay. So he says, I will tell you as soon as you do something for me. Okay. so it may be that, uh, you know, it's not clear exactly why he says this to him. But I, you know, but it it may be he's trying to a little bit sort of say that, uh, you know, by by doing this for him. Right. It shows that he accepts Rami Barahama as his teacher. Okay. Shukel Sudre karachle, so Rafisa took Rami's cloak and folded it for him.. And then Rami says to him, the Mishnah says, if she benefited, she pays what she has benefited. Um, and so you know so we'll we'll try to understand that. So Rami, Rava says on this proof, right How spared from sicknesses and worry is the person who's, you know, master, meaning his master in heaven, has helped him. So what he's saying is, you know, Rami Barachana must have been sort of protected by God that Rafhisa accepted this proof and didn't go back at him with this Abishan. So part of what I love about these patch is that there's kind of all these, like, this isn't like your typical exchange between the Amariah. There's all this, like, little back and forth to really sort of paint the scene of what actually happened here. And so, what does he say? Even though, right? It meaning the the, this question is not totally analogous to the Mishnah. Rav took it as a proof. So the question is, right? This case of the Mishnah is one where one benefits, and this one is loses. And the same thing, the case that we have is where one benefits and one and 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 but we say, but our cases were one benefits and one doesn't lose, right? Because we say, if it's a if it's a land that someone would never rent out anyways, what did you really lose out? You weren't expecting to get the land anyways. So the Gemara says, Rami Bar Rahama, right? What is why does Rami Bar Rahama think that this Mishnah is actually parallel, right? Of uh, if Amar Leim Nei Mishalemet Mashen Um So he says, Stampe Ropi Reshud HaRabim. So he basically usually holds that if somebody leaves your fruit in the public domain, it's as if you abandoned them, okay? And so what he means by this is, is that if you leave fruit in a Rashid HaRabim, they would have been destroyed anyways. So if the cow comes and eats it, it didn't cause the owner any loss, right? Because the owner had basically given up on that fruit, right? He knew before the cow ate it. So if that was the case, then if the cow eats something ownerless, then the owner wouldn't have to pay what they benefited. So what, what we're saying is, is that even without abandoning the fruit, right? The owner still sort of like is upset that they didn't get the full value of the fruit, right? Because they're going to be trampled and ruined. And then they're like, they're worth like even less. So the idea here is, is that the cow that eats the fruit sort of still gets a benefit even more than what the owner thought was going to happen uh, by abandoning it. Does that make sense, Anne? It's it's kind of a weird point. Like in other words, even though an owner abandons that fruit, the, the idea is is like the owner doesn't expect anybody to get benefit. So when the cow gets some benefit, it kind of bothers the owner.
0: <laughs> um, I think that's, I think it's interesting when we call benefit and what we call not benefit, right? Meaning I think in general the case of zin and is a me meaning nobody gets the benefit and nobody loses out is is wonderful, right? Like that's it should be that easy to have reciprocal, you know, deals type of thing, right? Arrangements. But to say that, well, but this is kind of a benefit. This is really an insult. This you know, like it gets really um granular to be able to say what's what right. Counts and and, and what
1: as you see with the way the question is phrased and some of the proofs that they bring, right? So in other words, according to Rami Barbar Khanna, because the owner, you know, lost out on a benefit in a way, or the fruit, the cow benefited, the owner of the cow pays full damages. Now, Rabbah doesn't agree with this whole premises that even if you leave it in Rashida Rabbim, it's not considered to be fully abandoned. So that's a whole separate issue. But the, but I think what's interesting is within this whole discussion, there's like some subjectivity to the idea of like, did you gain benefit or non-gain benefit? And yet the Gemara tries to say, but we're going to make it objective. So even if you say this isn't a land that you normally rent out, but if somebody comes to benefit from it, there's something that you still lost out, even if that wasn't your original intention for it. And I think it it's saying something insightful about human psychology. Like, even if you didn't know you had something of value or that you could have profited off of it, when you see somebody profit off of it without giving you the money, it's bothersome to you.
0: I think that's true. I mean, human nature is not necessarily angelic, right? That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that is, now again, they don't care about someone's feelings, but I think in a way the, the, the halacha is codifying it. like It's saying like if you feel you lost out, then you were, you had a damage and you deserve to be paid for that.
0: It's really interesting. It's really interesting to call it damages, right? Like it doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be tangible,
1: right? It doesn't have to even have to be something that you knew you were going to lose out on. You just lost out on it later and found out.
0: It doesn't have to be something that everybody would agree counts as damage, right? One person's insulted. The other person thinks nothing of it.
1: Right. So I, we're going to have to continue to see how this, you know, this type of thing unfolds. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking yeah. Town and Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.